0: Sounds about right, roll tide
1: baby. Yeah, I mean, get out, of the damn roll tide baby. You know, you get you get uh, off a of rain light, you end up pulling it together.
0: You like that? Was that good? Yeah, that's great radio. Did you? Uh, you didn't say. You didn't say bless you.
1: Yeah. Um. You know, you maybe you, if you get another one during the show, then you'll get a bless you.
0: Okay, cool. But uh, um, we're gonna have to figure that out.
1: <laughs> on this, today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to Insert Name Here. It's a podcast about nothing for nobody. If you take it seriously, you're redacted. Let's start the show. Up. Hello and welcome to Insert Name Here. It's a podcast about nothing for nobody. If you take it seriously, you're redacted. I'm your co host, Doug
0: Bennett. I'm your other co host, Seth Nacho. How's it going, everybody? Oh, it's going. Yeah, it's going all right. Yeah. Sorry, I was drinking some coke, that's why I burped. Usually you, usually drink. people snore into that, but uh I'm, we're not gonna judge you too much for uh-huh. doing it wrong. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, my my <laughs> Coke was carbonated. I, I, stop <laughs> you're doing like the dad joke thing where they're like what do you blah 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 and then they slap something and they walk away like oh oh, oh, oh. you know what I'm talking about no yeah. I know exactly what
1: you're talking about that is my favorite genre of humor
0: dad jokes where people walk away real funny
1: yeah dad jokes in general and it's also tied with the absurdly
0: dark humor a la Anthony Jeselnik oh yeah okay yeah. This one's not very dark humor, but you know why you know they're no they don't allow loud laughter in, in Hawaii anymore. You're only allowed a low ha. <laughs> 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 now we sound like the count from from oh uh- from Sesame Street, One. how many bad jokes have there been on this
1: podcast so far?
0: One, two, three. two bad jokes. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> if you actually count how many bad jokes have been on this podcast, you would run out of fingers.
1: It would be an entire. It would be an entire episode. Is what it would be.
0: <laughs> oh, well, fingers! An hour long of you counting uh, your fingers. An hour long
1: of just. Yes, if we tallied them all up over the course of, it's been over a year at this point. (laughs) It
0: has, yeah. Quite a few zingers and quite a few misses. Yeah. I think my favorite comedic premise, though, still
1: is uh, Tony Pasta's three-in-one shampoo (laughs) conditioner mode. That was like
0: in episode one or two, (laughs) too. Like, that's ridiculous. That's so long ago. I
1: think about it at least once a week. But, um, speaking of weeks, you know we can't start without the big news of the yeah, and big question, so because
0: now I have a big question,
1: <laughs> yeah, you signed yourself up for it <laughs> I love I liked it too much, you can you just have to do it, yeah, so big news of the week is relatively small, um you know, stuff's still happening in Hawaii. The situation there has not gotten any better. But the big news of the week for me was someone who I thought was a potentially good Republican candidate, might actually beat Trump, might actually be better for the country than any other Republican candidate, (coughs) Vivek Ramaswamy. One, I found out that he just, like, has bad opinions on a lot of things and his politics aren't actually as good as the limited clips I've seen of him. But. The big news of the week is he tried to join TikTok and Zoomers immediately ran him off the platform. He got roasted hard.
0: Like What does this man look like? He's an Indian man. He's an Indian American. But, but he's born in America, because he's trying to run for president. Yeah. You would yeah. you you have to be. That's States, that's in the yeah.
1: Constitution.
0: But I didn't know there was an Indian ethnic running for office. I didn't know that.
1: And to use some old school terminology, yeah. uh not Native not it's not native No, American. he's
0: actually from India. Well,
1: he's not from India, his parents yeah, are. Yeah, his his lineage is of the Southeast Asian country, India. A billion population over there. Yeah. That in China. But I just thought that was well that it was like a little one two blow for me. I, I had a a week free of like politics or keeping up with the news. So that ended up being the biggest thing I caught on to.
0: And he got ran off of TikTok.
1: Yeah. Smaller news, um, I've seen that atypical for a Bethesda release, um, even though it needs like really intense graphical requirements, um, Starfield is not as buggy. It's actually getting really good audio audience perception, better than it did its first week. Which I'm sure has to do with some level of hot fixing and patching Sure. But people love all the side quests and stuff. I've yeah, not, heard. not as big of a disaster as I anticipated or predicted.
0: I just love shitting on Bethesda. <laughs> hey. Fallout 76? Ah 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 yeah. ah ah. <laughs> Dude, just all their games are so fucked. I did see though in Starfield, um I saw this in like a little graphic that I was looking at. This guy, this kid, I don't know how old he was, but he was suffering from cancer. He wanted to play Starfield, but it wasn't coming out till he was probably going to die. Oh, shit. So they couldn't really get him an early release because he wanted to play through the whole thing. But what they did is they put his name and a special message from him in the game. So like, there's like a thing you can click on. It'll say his name and it'll say his message like I'm with you when you're in the stars and stuff. It's really cool. Heck yeah. It's kind of sweet. Because apparently they let some kid play Skyrim early or something. Or it Fallout 76 early. When he was suffering from cancer or something. Like, Bethesda is pretty sweet when it comes to, I guess, make-a-wish type situations. I mean, they, they put a lot of love into their games. If I, no, if I was that
1: company, I maybe would have updated my game engine since 2006. Right. right. They put a lot of love in
0: the They don't fix what isn't broken, you know? <laughs> yeah, the game's not broken. You're broken.
1: But that's a way better Easter egg than what ended up in Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, what was, was that? Spider-Man PS4. Uh, some guy got in contact with the devs and was like, I want you to put my marriage proposal to my girlfriend uh, in the oh, game, yeah? please. Was it? And the uh, the fact that that's how he wanted to propose was so egregious to his girlfriend that they broke up. <laughs> and so now that's just immortalized forever as one man's colossal fuck-up.
0: It's like it's in the game. Yeah. See, dude, I would have fucking that would have been so cool if I was her. If some if 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 I met if I was with a girl, right, and she did that for me and got a marriage proposal in a video game that I wanted to play, I'd be like, "Baby, yeah, <laughs> let's do it." <laughs> That'd be so cool. Although I don't know, I don't know if I would want a marriage proposal that public. I you
1: know, it's it sounds aggressively romantic. It's, it's a grand gesture. And, and the fact that you're able to even pull that kind of crap off is pretty cool in and of itself, but it's a, not necessarily the most personal. It kind of makes the proposal more about you than it does about. Unless your partner is also
0: a gamer. Right. Like, if, like I imagine she was a gamer if he did that. Is she not? I, I don't think she was. Like oh, that's, that then that's stupid. That's really stupid. Because, like, the idea is that she would find it on her own in the game, and then that would be cool. Yeah. Um, Big question of the week. Oh, hit me with it, brother. Big question. How far back can we remember? Like, can you remember stuff from when you were five? I, so. Like, is that that a possible thing as a human to remember, like, a four-year-old memory? Like, when you were four? Not, like, four years ago, but, like, when you were four. My earliest
1: memory was somewhere around like two or three. Really? You can remember that. Yeah, it's a, it's a snapshot thing. Like, I I have like not continuous memory, but like little snapshots. Uh, earliest memory is where I got my original fear of arachnids. Arachnophobia this is the technical term for yeah. all you keep in score at home. But I was laying in bed in a dark room, obviously, because it was bedtime. And there was a humidifier in there, it cast a blue light, and it was probably my own fault. Um, But a spider beanie baby ended up on top of that humidifier, and the light from the humidifier cast a wall-sized shadow of a giant spider, and I was laid there paralyzed in fear. You know, I was like two or three at the time. Right, yeah, that makes sense. And then that fear of spiders stuck with me until like, honestly, like two or three years ago. Like,
0: <laughs> they just, it, th- Those like childhood traumas do cause fear. Like, I cannot remember who I was talking to. Sorry if this offends you that I'm sharing this memory. Someone told me that their sibling chased them around with a knife with mustard on it. And they didn't like mustard in the first place. But because it was on a knife and they were being chased with it. They, they didn't, they have a fear of mustard. (laughs) So that's a, that is a unique one. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't remember who shared that memory with me. Sorry if you didn't want me to share it, but you're probably, it's probably fine.
1: And it got shared anonymously. Yeah. So only you're going to know that you're being talked about. (laughs) Yeah,
0: true. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, that was, that was a pretty interesting one for me. I don't know how old they were when that happened, but like, yeah, like flip it back. What's your earliest memory? I think I was like five, I want to say, and I, sh- I was showing off my cool new kicks. It's a super snapshot like you're talking about. And it was like my, my shoes that had uh, Raphael on them, if you remember the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Yeah, so something like that. I think I have a memory of being in my crib, too but I wasn't like a baby. I was like a toddler.
1: Yeah.
0: That that tracks. That is definitely possible. Yeah. No, memory
1: is a super interesting thing to contemplate.
0: Yeah. Cause I was talking about this before about the self and stuff, like how you change right. and it's constantly changing. So like, you're not who you were as a kid anymore, you know? But I was just thinking like, like, are these kids like, I've been dealing with kids recently for different reasons, you know, teaching school and stuff. And it's like, are they gonna remember this? Like they're like five. Like are they gonna remember this? Like, can I say some wild shit to them and they just <laughs> would have no idea, just never recall it. I guess it would uh depend on how much it jarred them.
1: Cause most of those snapshot style memories I'm talking about, like, they come with some element of shock or trauma. Like I remember being 5 years old and getting popped in the face by my folks.
0: It becomes a core memory.
1: Yes. Yeah, it like it becomes I like I think a, TikTok is starting to call those canon events. I think that was A, yeah, a canon
0: program. event? Yeah. That's like some video game terminology or something like that. Yeah, like some like canon event uh this will have... this action will have consequences later.
1: A real Telltale Games. So and so will remember this. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, no you I You could probably definitely get away with a bunch of -of out-of-pocket stuff.
0: I feel like I could. I feel like, (laughs) like, they're not going to remember that. Like, you definitely don't remember your first birthday. Nobody remembers that shit. Oh, no, no. Yeah. But yet your parents do it, and they fucking, remember when you used to do this? Like, I don't remember shit from when I was a baby. What do you mean? The
1: uh, first birthday that I'm actually thinking about it right now, the first birthday I can remember was my 13th birthday. You're kidding. That's the first one you remember? It was the first notable one that I remember, yeah. I remember it was, one from it was, like when I was little. It was on a Saturday. I yeah. was like, oh, right, my golden birthday. Because when your age matches the day of the month you were born on, that's a golden birthday. Oh, really? Okay. And uh, I played a bunch of Knights of the Old Republic too on the computer. And was frustrated that I had to stop to go to synagogue. And then
0: <laughs> that didn't even pay off because we'd never converted fully. Yeah, um, I remember like a petting zoo. I had at, uh, like a in like a fucking bouncy house. <laughs> we had, like we like went all out for. I was like five or six or something. I don't remember. <laughs> that was like, like I don't remember it very well. I just remember that we had those things. Okay. Yeah, that was definitely worth it. Huge impact made. Yeah, huge impact made. Me and the goats hanging out. Um, should we get into review time? Probably. That was a great big question, though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was thinking about it. That was my question. Um, But today
1: we're convening. So. um, We're going back to music.
0: Yeah, yeah. So season five, season of reviews, baby. We are reviewing content for your pleasure. For her pleasure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Right, we're going back to music. Doug picked a great album for this week.
1: Yeah. So a thing I'm notorious for is I had an obsession with hip-hop from around 15 to 25. We, we both did. Uh, I even went so far as to claim that I was going to make it as a rapper. I think the ages we liked hip-hop were different, though. Because you said from 15 to 25? Yeah. So 15 would put me at, like, 2010-ish, I yeah. think. Yeah, well, no. yeah, I
0: started liking rap
1: later. But um, one of the seminal influences and one of the people I respect the most in the game, one of the things that kept me in rap music uh was the, the artist Kendrick Lamar. And uh, so today we're specifically going to be reviewing the album Good Kid, Mad City, which right. came out in 2012. 2012, yeah. Um, Same year as Jesus. I didn't really deep dive it until my freshman year of college, but... Yeah, I had gotten
0: into the singles previously. Yeah, um, so this album is his first album. Everything before that, I think, was a mixtape. I mean When,
1: when you Section fo- eighty when, was a mixtape. When, when you sure. follow Industry Lexicon, yeah. And we're not we don't have enough time to cover
0: section eighty. But yeah, he had another mixtape, I think, too. But
1: there was one before section eighty, and then section eighty was I mean, in all but name alone, actually an album, I did go back and revisit that as part of the research for this episode. Oh, really? It's a good album. It's a good um, mixtape. One of my favorite songs is on there. The only reason it's even called a mixtape is just because it didn't get released through a label.
0: Yeah, it didn't
1: get released through a label and it was free. So, uh, for the uninitiated listener, in the rap game, mixtapes, free
0: released, usually not label affiliated... And because it's free and stuff like that, you don't have to pay for samples. Right. Whereas albums, you got to
1: clear your samples. Um, They usually get released by a label. They're a paid thing. Like, you can go to the store and buy a CD of it. So you could, you don't have to, and you couldn't, even if you wanted to, buy a copy of Section 80. Whereas Good Kid, Mad City is a proper release.
0: Right. Official release. Please support the official release.
1: But, um... No, section 80 is just a it's just a mixtape by technicality.
0: Right, by technicality. I consider this one his first album though because it was the first uh, paid for. In right. terms of rap game logic, Kind of like um like Chance the Rapper uh Acid Rap was also a uh, mixtape. It came out for free. I think uh his first true release was Coloring Book. That one was a label I think that one had you had to pay for it, yeah. Okay. I didn't realize that. But Acid Rap and Ten Days were both mixtapes, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, anyway, going back to Kendrick. Uh Kendrick is an interesting rapper. He's kinda so like he's kinda blends old school and new school to me. Um like old school, like I'm thinking I mean this is an old school rapper, but you know Wale? Yes. He he likes to tell a story. And I feel like a lot of older rappers tell a story with their raps. And Kendrick, in this album, is telling a story. Very much so. But he also has, like, that new school feel to it. Like, the music, the instrumentation on these album, in this album is awesome. And it's very different from, like, old school rap. And he, um, what is it? Um, the new school, it's also got, like, really fucking tasty hooks. Every song has, like, a good hook on it. For the most part.
1: For the most part, and we'll we'll get into some of my criticisms. Wait, you don't in. you don't think the hooks are good? I think all of them are good. Well, I'm foreshadowing.
0: Okay,
1: I'm laying it on so thick, I might as well call it five shadowing. Yeah, you might as well look but at uh, that fucking five head you got. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that so, guy's a very tasteful uh, forehead. But uh, so this uh, this album came out 2012. He was only 25 at the time. Right, which is impressive, although not unexpected given. Like, we talked about Section 80 in the previous mixtape before that. Like, he proved that he has had chops all
0: along the way. Yeah, I think he was 23 for Section 80. I think I remember a lyric about that. But uh, he's released many albums since this album that have done really well. The most recent album, Mr. Morales and the something. I can't remember exactly, but that one's interesting. And it gets into some weird shit. Good Kid, Mad City... Also, kind of gets into some weird shit, but not like weird like that. It's more about like how gangster Compton is. But, yeah. Um, and I think that's
1: probably the most important thing to highlight. He is a Compton, California native. Yeah. Um, cares a lot about his city. There is even a lyric on, I forget which track, but like Compton, Compton. No, um, I think it's maybe on backseat freestyle, maybe. where it's like my city found me and put me on. you think it's yeah i I can't quote it.
0: I get what you're saying, yeah, we all know what you're saying,
1: but um, no, he really genuinely cares about documenting telling the stories of Compton on this album, uh, in fact, that's what it is, like he is a little bit of the plausible deniability that rap music always does. And that's why you can't get convicted for lyrics about murdering somebody. But uh, these are like real true stories that he puts on the album and it it gets pretty heavy uh, specifically on the track. Sing about me. I'm dying of thirst.
0: Yeah. Please, please sing about me. He, uh, on that, on this whole album though, it's like, it's like telling a personal story. I believe like, it's kind of like it's through his eyes. I feel like, it is not only... And there's also some great sketches at the end of the songs that kind of also put it in context. I think some of the sketch work or the skit work,
1: uh, I think some of that is slightly fictionalized. No, for or, sure. I don't think his dad was
0: singing about big booties. <laughs> I want your body. I want your body. That Who, big old fatty. Who's talking about dominoes? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Did he Was he talking about the game dominoes or was he talking about the pizza dominoes? No, Domino's is content slang for ecstasy pills. The dude was trying to get the dad was trying to get ecstasy pills? Yeah. There's there's a lot of addiction in that city. Yeah, but that's wild. Yeah. I always thought he was talking about like No, I had Domino's to look, pizza I had or, to look it up. It wasn't obvious, but was about Domino's pizza or the game Domino's. And he does just sound like a drunk ass. But Yeah, he just he doesn't sound like he goes on ecstasy. But um
1: No, it is a and some like slightly to heavily fictionalized real retelling of Kendrick's formative years like probably around 17, 18 like a car driving era there's a whole narrative about how K. Dot has uh essentially taken his grandmother's van and grandma really needs her van back
0: Mm-hmm
1: but, um, they're using it for criminal activity. Uh, this leads me right into one of my first general thoughts I had here in my notes. Uh, this album is incredibly cinematic for an audio project, like, it's evocative, it's descriptive. Um, the audio alone, I don't know how good your brain works, but like, I can almost see, like,
0: the Tarantino film playing out in front of me. Well, you can see the van on the cover of the album. So, and uh what the fuck how good my brain works? You don't think my brain works good? You don't think my brain's a good brain? I don't know if you think in pictures or not. I don't. So, I don't think in pictures. I did not see a picture with but, any of this.
1: But this gives me a really good brain movie. It <laughs>
0: I, I, I'll think I. about you in the movies in my head, and it rains from my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I do not. That's Simple Jack. Yeah. You m- 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 make me happy. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta watch uh, Tropic Thunder again, bro. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the album, though, is very, yeah, it, like, it, it tells a story. Uh, Kendrick is, like, to me, is, like, one of the kings of concept albums. And
1: they get more conceptual over time. I would say this is probably the last project of Kendrick's. Um, this is the last one where he focuses on a direct storyline.
0: Right. The other ones aren't quite like a story like this. They're more just like a concept that he's talking about. Yeah. Although uh, maybe the newest album about his dad, that got kind of weird at points.
1: You know, I, think, I, think,
0: story. I think he comes back to more... But even then, it's
1: more confessional than it is a, a narrative. Right, maybe a True narrative, yeah.
0: This one is the most narrative of all of them.
1: Yeah. Maybe but, uh,
0: section eighty had a little bit of narration. Uh, to pimp a butterfly,
1: the follow up album after this. Yeah. Completely conceptual. Yeah. Talks about themes and it is brought together by a theme, but it's not a story. Damn. It's also the same theme. Well. No. It's a it's a story told out of order to the point where there's contention among fans of Kendrick about which order you put the songs in to get the front to back chronology. <laughs> like so but no this one is like I like Element. Yeah. A great song. Element's great. But no, no, this is the last time that he tells a front to back story on purpose.
0: Which is cool if you can keep up with it. Um I mean, it's it's pretty hard not to keep up with it until you get to the end of the album. I mean, once once you get past "real," once you get to like "real," it gets kind of like, okay, where am I now? What's happening in the story? Oh, we'll we'll get to that. Um, Yeah, should we start doing tracks? uh, Anything else you want? Any final words you want to say about the album as a whole before we move into?
1: Yeah, I have a couple of things just so I don't have to keep bringing them up. Okay, Um, this is the also the last time that we hear Kendrick. Try to adhere to traditional style of rapping Before he really fully develops I mean he I think he's a, one of the most unique MCs of all time Once we hit to Pimp a Butterfly He's He's doing his own thing And he's fucking killing it Yeah but, for sure But this is the last time that you see Really his tradi- See I mean here This is the last time you hear him do traditional Like bar to bar I AB rhyme schemes Crap like that Yeah Um he is technically impressive as well, um, making really intuitive and clever usage of rhythm and meter. Um, yeah, he definitely switches up his flows on stuff. So, and you know, he didn't. He he obviously gets into a pocket, but I would compare his vocal style on this album to like Miles Davis. The most notable thing on my re-listens and listens this week. Um, he focuses on the backbeat. So it, his vocal proficiency, fucking incredible. It has a very distinct and unique feel. Uh, and one that honestly is inimitable. Like, no one can do it like Kendrick does. And he really shows that off across his album. So props to him for that. And then, um, I mean, artistically, this album's place in hip-hop. As well as him carrying on the Compton legacy. Like, I don't know that many Compton rappers, but like, he definitely puts his city on the map with this one. Yeah, Uh, you know, I mean, you know some big ones. uh, The only other one I can think of is Ice Cube.
0: Yeah, NWA. Dr. Dre is on there. I mean, Dr. Dre's not really a rapper, but he kind of is. And then, like, was uh, Drake Dog? Dre was, oh. I don't know if Snoop Dogg's from Compton I can't remember exactly I mean that, we can But, but was Dre Compton? Well Dre was part of NWA
1: Yeah but I thought I mean I, I guess Eazy-E too
0: Yeah but Eazy-E's dead He died But yeah Dre uh, Of AIDS Dre's the Yeah Dre's the one that signed Snoop Dogg So Snoop Dogg to me kind of goes with him And there's a lyric where he's like Me and The only Blank that can push the button is me and Snoop Dogg Or whatever like, Kendrick says that at some point So, I mean, you know, that's, like, I feel like Kendrick's, like, picking up that torch that some other people have already had.
1: Right. Yeah, I just, that was not something I had thought about before, but on this past re-listenings, I was, like, yeah, exactly. Picking up the torch. Like, it's cool when you can continue carrying... Because, like,
0: what's Drake repping? Toronto,
1: Ah, (laughs) The six. He's running through it with his woes. Yeah. He, he turned it into a nine. Good gravy. I don't... I like that album. I don't have enough time on this episode to shit talk Dre. Drake? Drake. Yeah.
0: Okay, anyway.
1: He's on one of the songs. I bet he doesn't even text Millie
0: Bobby Brown anymore, now that she's 18. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah, he's on, uh... He's on, uh, Play of Justice. Right he yes. is but uh, yeah let's go ahead any, you want to talk song any, to song any, now any general thoughts for you or? no I've already given some and then like of course we'll talk about it again at the end when we rate it okay yeah so we're going we're going to go track by track versus um, Shireen Master Splinter's Daughter yeah. <laughs> Master Splinter's Daughter now from the title alone
1: you might expect a certain thing out of this album it never gets contextualized it never gets brought up Um, no TMNT action is to be had on this record. No. Unfortunately. This could have been a really fun concept, but... Maybe
0: because, maybe because the dude's a rat. Is that why he's called a Master Splinter? Because he's a rat? I don't know. Yeah, it
1: could be that, or it could just be that, I mean, but maybe he's implying that she's the daughter
0: of an opposition's leader, so... She is. And, like, also her brothers and stuff, I think, are gangbangers or something. Like, there's... Yeah, they he he gets he he starts talking about like you know she doesn't come from a good family. This is sort of but a neither does he, I guess. So
1: this track kind of sets up one of the main narratives of the album. It's a South Central LA, Compton, Romeo and Juliet. Um but Sharane is gonna get continually brought up time and again. Uh this is K Dot's love interest.
0: Yeah. Um and it sets up like how he likes her and you know, he wants to fuck because he's, like, 17, and he, you know, that's all I can think about.
1: Yeah. This one is not necessarily one of the more
0: catchier tracks. I agree. But it does set the scene. I do I do think it's a good song, though. Yeah. Like, like, like I, I would not turn this off if it was turned on. And I'm going to go ahead and just get it out of the way now so I don't have to
1: keep bringing it up again and again. Um, the album is super well-produced which is not something that you often get in rap projects because usually it's multiple producers used. I'm looking at the wiki right here and there was a ton of producers on this album, but they clearly worked as a theme uh, um, to create a unified concept.
0: Like I was saying this, uh, this album kind of blends old and new school. And I think the production's kind of new school,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it's like good. Like, the, like honestly, this kind of production isn't even used anymore. It like was used in this one period of time, and then that's that's like it well and it's also a production style that it has followed Kendrick
1: like there is at least to my knowledge a not as much of emphasis on sampling as there was in the old school, and sampling is kind of coming back these days it as is. well it is but um a lot of original instrumentation, like unique sonic concepts. Yeah, I know that that's a trend that Kendrick stuck
0: with. Yeah, like his it's his production has evolved with his new albums, and you can tell it stems from like this kind of style. Um, but yeah. Anything else you want to say about Trine?
1: Uh No, I think we covered it. You know, it sets up the. I guess I would call it the A plot of the album. Okay. And then the B plot of the album. Is like the family stuff that we get into. Well no, B plot is the Duh. the uh the murder of Dave. And then the C plot. So it introduces the A plot and the C plot. The C plot being Kendrick, bring back my fucking van.
0: That that plot is in there. There's
1: yeah. Um what's the next song? Uh track two, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. Right. So this is one of the singles of the album. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking banged, got a ton of radio play. This one has a good hook, for sure. Um, I like, I think the most I like about this is like his use of triple meter. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I'm a former professional musician, former aspiring rapper. Um, A lot of this album, I was impressed with his technicality. And the fact that he he used duple meter very heavily on Terrain. And then he just uses triple meter for most of this track. And he does it really well. I, I was most impressed with the technical aspect of this. Uh, but this is a good one. This one goes on so many playlists. Um, yeah. Has a couple of good remixes out there. There's, I think, a version floating
0: around out there with Jay-Z on it that's at the end of this album but um and and we'll talk about it more then cause he he clearly released that after the album had already sold and then he, when he made the deluxe one he made a new track for it yeah but uh yeah like the, what's the what's the plot here where are we at in the story here he's out being rowdy having fun yeah um yeah cause the next track he's like go go come on guys let's get your freestyles in so that's what happens at the end of this album. There's like a skit where they talk about get ready to do your freestyle. Mm. But yeah, um, this one is just a its a classic. It's a single. It goes hard. I like the hook a lot. Heck yeah. Next track. And I don't have to say this. I'm not going to say this again. Production on all these songs is really good. Mm-hmm. We already kind of covered that. Next song is Backstreet Freestyle, right? Backseat Freestyle.
1: Yes. Martin had a dream and Kendrick have a
0: dream. Yeah, because he wanted his dick to be as big as the Eiffel
1: Tower. How else are you going to fuck the world for 72 hours?
0: The themes in this song
1: were like... This is, to me, emblematic of like young male confidence. Thinking you're on top of the world. Right. Just knowing... That you're the shit. Mm-hmm. And having confidence in yourself. Um, I I I geniused the lyrics as I listened to this. One thing I never knew. Um, the 25 lighters line. I didn't know this. Apparently in the drug game. A <clears throat> thing at least back in the day used to be. You would hollow out a Bic lighter. And use it to keep, like, dime bags in. Especially for weed, but, you know, yeah. Coke too. And, um, so... Saying that you have 25 lighters
0: is... 25 lighters on my dresser? Yes, yes sir. sir.
1: <laughs> but, um... It's, a It's, one, a reference. Someone... I think two other rappers, I couldn't quote them for you right now. I'd have to go to Genius. But um, two other rappers had used twenty five lighters as a line, so he's given homage. But then um it's also just a fucking brag. Like, yeah, I got this shit. <laughs> so yeah. Uh-huh. But no this one is a hype track. Like Very this, hype. This is this is something you throw on if you want to get pumped up. and so, it's a banger. I have personally witnessed it revive many parties.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Even at the the, the function, someone starts playing this song. Oh, shit! (laughs) Yeah, it gets people moving. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what it means, but it's provocative.
1: It gets the people going. Or whatever the line from Anchorman is. Biatch! No, wait. bitch.
0: But no, you're thinking of uh, Blades of of Fury or something. Yeah, some Will Ferrell It's the Will Ferrell ice skating movie. Anyway, um... Yeah, that one, that track, the hook is good on that one too, baby. I would say that
1: overall, gun to my head, I have to pick one song off of this album as my number one. I'm rating this one number one on the album. Backseat
0: Freestyle? Yeah. We have differing opinions then. And that's fine. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll get to your number one. We sure will. Please point it out when we get there. It It comes later. Next up is Art of Peer Pressure, right? Yeah. And, and this one is, we get back to the narrative heavy. For sure. We um we kind of hit
1: the brakes here on excitement or entertainment level. And um, like Seth Nacho said, 411, check him out on Twitch. He will talk to you. Tuesday nights, DVD. I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Go ahead. But um, No, we, we slowed down a little bit at coming off of two hype tracks. Uh-huh. Uh, and this describes the um, the kind of shit that you get into when you're a young initiate into the gangbanging lifestyle. Um, not to get too into the weeds with it, but this is where they talk about, you know, we're ripping off cars, we're thinking about ripping off houses. He took a right and then a left. Yeah, we're running. We're having to run away from cops. One fateful night with the homies. And the it's a, it's right there in the title, peer pressure. Yes, it's
0: very blatant. <laughs>
1: it's, it is when you really sit with it, it is a powerful statement on how one can become a product of their environment, even while recognizing that they shouldn't be doing this crap. But you're with the homies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Sound is. design is good on this one too, with like like the, like the siren sounds and stuff. I would say this is probably the most cinematic track on the album.
0: Me too. I would say so as well. It definitely paints a picture towards the end of the song, for sure. Um, and then hmm? anything more on that? No.
1: Okay, good. Because we go straight back to the bangers. We got Money
0: Trees. Right. This is another playlist track. Yeah, the Money Trees, it goes off to become a single as well. It's also, it also was recently famous on TikTok. People mm. are using it again. I you know that the part that goes "No way!" But yeah, that that part Be got really big big I you know.
1: That that's, 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 that's like a TikTok good. dance. I, I know. I think like I remember. This year. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah, but um, this one's good. Um, we we go back to the confidence. We go we go back to K Dot kind of owning. And narratively speaking, we go back to K-Dot kind of owning the lifestyle rather than blaming it on peer pressure. Um, he's once again feeling himself because he got guapped up off of all that. Yeah, it's activity. about the money, yeah. yeah he got guapped up off that activity, uh, off that action. I will say, this is one of my least favorite guest verses of all time. Not a big fan of J-Rock or J-Electronica. You or... don't like J-Rock? <laughs> no, it's on this most recent re-listen, very weak guest verse. I'll say that.
0: He's the one that did one of those festivals, didn't he? Probably.
1: He bo- probably a fire festival. That's to, be, to be to be honest. That,
0: yeah. But I don't um, know if he did fire festival or not, but he was one of those guys I think that scammed everybody.
1: Yeah, despite the weak guest verse, IMO um, this is also a playlist-worthy track. It just but bumps.
0: J Rock kind of reminds me of the name J- Jaw Rule, and I just remember like a sketch from like uh, what's his name, Dave Chappelle, talking about. I don't care what Ja Rule thinks about the about the politics or whatever. Ja Rule about the environment, I don't care.
1: I mean, shout out to Dave, one of the funniest people to
0: ever live. Oh, want J Rock telling me how to get money. <laughs> but yeah, no, this song is a classic banger. Uh, it has, like, a sketch at the end, a skit at the end, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, we're not... Honestly, we're not really going to probably about the touch
1: on the skits too much. Because, I mean, we we covered it's it... plot
0: C and also plot B. Because there's a plot... There's a couple of plot B. There's one where he's like, yeah, i snap, get out the car before I snatch you out the car. Right. There's some interesting... Uh, B plot that. is
1: actually mostly entirely covered in track 10. But we're only on track 5. So, um... One of the important things only one of, we should actually touch on the skits here. Because we're getting to the point in the album where K Dot is actually going to link up with Sharane. Okay. Because there's a there's a drive by at some point. Right. In one of the skits. So we're getting close to that. But um Yeah. So this track leads into the song Poetic Justice. Is it Money Tree straight into poetic justice? I mean skit in the middle, but yeah. It is, Poetic Justice is gonna come next, there's a Drake feature here, and not that Drake did a bad job, I don't want to get cancelled by all the Drake fans that listen to the show, but my thought on this re-listen was, Kendrick does Drake better than Drake does Drake. (laughs) Like, Drake is... Low-key kind of corny. He's always been corny. He will always, he will stay corny forever, yeah. even if some of his music is really catchy. But uh, Kendrick really pulls off the romance aspect, and Poetic Justice... This is it's romance. It's a, it's a love letter song. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite lines in any type of music, any piece of literature that's ever been made, um, is, If I told you that a flower blooms in a dark room, would you trust it? Like... There's, there's so much. Spoiler there. alert! It wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> I did some study on botany, buddy. It would. Oh, no, if the plant was already grown in light, it might. But and I, I finally if you grew it from darkness. It would not. I've
1: always liked the words, right? But and I could be wrong with this interpretation. But I came to a new understanding of it. So let me tell you what I thought about that line. Uh-huh a flower blooming in a dark room uh-huh. would you trust it he's saying that if you let me i will focus on your womanly pleasure flower being vagina blooming being come. you get, you're getting full pleasure come and would you trust me to do that for you yeah
0: and that's it's, an interesting
1: interpretation
0: it, I don't know if I'm right or not. You know, yeah, I, don't know. I, I haven't talked to Mr. Lamar. It might be about lying to people. Like, if I told you a flower bloomed in a dark room, would you trust it? Would you trust me on everything, even if I'm not right? even if it's not true? That I love that too. That, that's that, what that's what I just thought of. That's a good one. Like, you know, will you be my ride or die and believe it? But no, this song is all about women and like, you know, love and stuff. Uh, one thing that this. The uh, hook is also really fucking good. Oh, it's so good. But, um... <clears> no, <throat> just, no, just, no, no, just, no, just, no, just, no, just, no, just what you want. Yeah.
1: But, um, what's cool to me about this that I didn't know until I was geniusing in my re-listens, uh-huh. um, the, Uh huh. the vocalist on this track, Janet Jackson, surprised. Surprised me a lot. It is cool. As, essentially this song is a love letter to Shireen um it kind of seals the deal for him being able to get with her uh in the next
0: several tracks um we have a little we have a we have was a, it backseat freestyle where he says hopped out the caddy just got my dick set yes I think so yeah but um I didn't take I should have I didn't though
1: I should have took in lyric notes but that sounds right I think so Anyway, yeah. So, him and Trainer are like getting together. Yeah, and this this is the point of the story where that he's sealing the deal. Maybe not physically, but you know, he's. This is the part where Romeo comes to the window and says, "Juliet, okay, let where, down your long hair."
0: Where art thou? <laughs> where, where, where from thou go? Rapunzel, Rapunzel, where, where art thou? Where, are, where are they going? Where be thy going? Where'd you go, Cotton Eye Joe?
1: Oh, soft, (laughs) what light from yonder window doth break. Tis the east and fair Juliet is the sun.
0: Yeah, and how I wish to be the hand upon that cheek. (laughs) Okay, let's Let's be Shakespeare nerds some more. (laughs) We both had a class with Lou Curry. Wow, (laughs) imagine that. Let's be Shakespeare nerds some more, come on. (laughs) I heard he finally retired, by the way. Yeah, I did too. That's Okay.
1: Anyway. um, Um, But from here we go into... I was
0: into Shakespeare
1: plays, you know that, right? Yeah. Okay. I think I went to at least one of them. I think you might have been to one of them. You're most famous for being Dr. Frankenstein in my eyes. Yeah, that was a good one. Did you like that? I loved that. That was my shit dog. (laughs) Hell yeah. That's pretty cool. You know my boy's a thespian. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A
0: lesbian. Wait, uh. Anyway. I um, mean, you like women, so. True. What comes after, uh. Yeah, from here. Is it a good kid? Yeah. And, from back, and Good back, Kid was confusing to me. I was trying to get the feel for what the idea of the song was. To me, it's just like it seems like he's a good kid with good intentions. Like from what Good Kid and then subsequently Mad City makes me think is that the city is what has corrupted him. And that he was a good kid deep down because he's like going to Bible study and all this other shit.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: I think we should probably talk about these two tracks together. I, we can talk about them together, but musically, uh, Mad City's better and a fucking banger. Yeah, definitely. Like, Mad City gets replayed. Good Kid is a good track. Mad City goes on the playlist. Yes. Uh, also, Mad City, fun fact, was the song where Kendrick brought a white girl up to sing, and she said the N-word, <laughs> and Kendrick did like not have a problem with it at all until the crowd started saying boo, and then he was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so, fun fact there. Another fun fact
1: about Mad City, it's spelled M-A-A-D and it's a hood acronym for My Angels on Angel Dust. And, you know, it's a sort of a what's the word? Sympathetic. It's sort of a a sympathetic acronym.
0: Doesn't he say those words at some point?
1: Well, on this album, he. I think it's in one of these two songs, like he gets into some trouble by accidentally smoking a PCP lace joint, PCP also known as
0: angel dust. Right. So, my angels on angel dust, mad. Yeah, I, I, he said I smoked a blunt and it was foaming. At, my first blunt got me foaming at the mouth or something. So. But anyway, um, Good Kid, I think to me was more about the good intentions and stuff. Yeah. Like he's a good kid with good intentions, but the city is what corrupted him. Like the not necessarily the city itself, but the people in it and the way that the life goes there. Right. Cause he like talks about like poverty and like how he well, that was in a different song, maybe. But he talked about like poverty and like how people are born with a silver spoon mm-hmm. and he was not. Oh, and it's I mean. a super consistent theme throughout the entire
1: album. Um but these two songs highlight How one can have the best intentions and still get twisted up by their environment. Um, And he does an excellent job of narrating, painting the picture, and explaining in a very entertaining and technical way of what that might look like through the eyes of one individual, a.k.a. the character of K-Dot, who for all intensive purposes we can assume is Kendrick himself, but... But you want to say anything else about
0: these tracks? Uh, nothing that we haven't already said. I really enjoy the production on Mad City, especially at the end, where it like goes, and then it, and then it goes into the, I, can't, I don't know how to explain it, but it's almost like house music, where like it just picks up the beat and gets, makes it real loud and symphonic, well not symphonic, but you know, like, melodic. Yes. I like that a lot. There's been some other songs that I've listened to that have done that and I love it every time I hear it. Yeah. It's just like at the end it does it for like a bar. It just makes the melody do that thing. And it also
1: makes for an excellent transition into the next banger on the album. My favorite song. Which is Swimming Pools," My favorite song. Drank. Quick Side... What a Grammy for this one. And as well as he should. uh, But Quick Sidebar... Uh, worst drinking game of all time.
0: Oh, to drink to this song every time they say drink. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna get fucked up within the first like minute.
1: But um, so where we're at here in the narrative is he's uh he's meeting up with Shireen again at a party, and he proceeds to get entirely fucked up. Um, I think this is the track. Most it's not my favorite one, but this is the one where I think he does his best rapping. It is this is my favorite chart? It is the most technically proficient rapping, um, and he says some really profound things. Like it's, he's like, talking about how drinking isn't you don't have to do it like this. Well, <clears throat> I'll say the the one thing that always sticks out to me is um, like he reflects on how immediately the way he opens up the track is he reflects on how normalized drinking is. It's, and then, and then he talks about like, I recognize that that's fucked up. I'm still engaging with it anyway.
0: Yeah. It's it's kind of profound. It's like, kind of reminds me of incubus drive. Like, you know, drinking, you shouldn't do it (laughs) like this all the time. But yeah, um, I like this one a lot. He like, he does his cool flows. Interesting. Like, he does that, open your mind up and listen me, Kendrick. <laughs> you know? But also, the uh, the hook on this one is so fucking good. Classic. This is another playlist track. For sure. But the one after this gets a little bit sad. Mm-hmm. But it has two songs in
1: it. And I'm going to say something a little controversial. Uh, we're talking about Sing About Me, I'm Dying of Thirst. Love Sing About Me, Hate Dying of Thirst.
0: Well, Dying of Thirst really isn't, it's not a, I don't feel like it's not a full track, honestly. But Sing About Me, I cried to this song one time when I was uh, driving on the interstate. I have like a very vivid memory. And I was just like,
1: There's two ways in which Sing About Me is very powerful. Uh, One, two of the three verses he does are just him rewriting things that people actually either sent or said to him. So he's telling real ass like this is like true actual Kendrick life experiences. He's telling real ass shit. And then there's the concept of the chorus. Like, is anybody gonna sing about me? Tell me was I worth it?
0: No, of course sing, sing singing is a metaphor here, but it's just like the idea will people remember you. Yeah. And talk about you when you die. It, um It it made me cry. And Dying of Thirst goes into the the, the end of this plot where they talk about um where they talk about Jesus and coming becoming a man of God, and there's some line in there about being real, and the, which leads into the next song, "Real." Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I do think that it's interesting that this plot kind of ends with them devoting their life to Jesus. I think it's important to note
1: we we didn't exactly bookmark exactly the uh, like
0: the whole Dave plot of his yeah, friend we dying. Um, there was literally a part though where they like there's like a, they go do a drive by and they're like you good you good and they're like thank you my boy Dave. So um <clears throat> if you listen to it
1: on your own time that <laughs> that's going to be a whole thing to experience. Sorry we didn't get
0: to it, but um I mean, we did basically. We just didn't say where exactly it exactly happened. Yeah. It is an important aspect of the story. Yeah, I mean cuz then he talks about it again in Mad City where he's like they shot my whatever and... Anyway, um, so after uh, after Dying of Thirst and they devote themselves Jesus, they to Jesus, it goes into real, right?
1: Yes, and real for me is a skip. It's I, not super great. Even on my first re-listen this week, I skipped it. Like I tried listening
0: to it. The, the chorus is obnoxious. I like the chorus. No. Oh, you know, I don't like it like it, because it is pretty stupid. <laughs> I'm real, I'm real. I'm about to skip you. <laughs> don't finish that. Really, really?
1: <laughs> um, but reading the lyrics, you know, it it covers authenticity and it covers about being actually true to yourself. It's kind of... See, a... this is
0: one of those thematic tracks we were talking about on the other albums.
1: Yeah. But um, to me, this is him breaking free of the art of peer pressure. He's, he's like, all right, I watched my friend or cousin or whoever Dave is to him. He died... I fucked up by fucking around with Shirane. I need to be real.
0: Yeah. So, you know, he's taking himself out of the um, lifestyle a little bit. And, uh, remember on, um, I Pimp a Butterfly, there's a song called You Ain't Gotta Lie. It's kind of, yeah, it's similar, you know? You ain't gotta lie, and you gotta be real, you know? Yeah. So,
1: thematically, I like it, but sonically, it's, I skip every time.
0: What's the next one after
1: that? Is Compton, it Compton? Which I could skip or could not, but it is just talking about the city it's a love letter to the city the right. rest of the album was, we've
0: we've kind of skipped out of the narrative at this point I feel like
1: yeah he's he's graduating from like we've completed the story with real we've gotten out of that and now Kendrick is just I'm gonna go for Compton rather than I feel like he leaves Charan behind I feel like he leaves the lifestyle behind and now he's, now he's like Compton Compton ain't no city quite like mine he's grateful for what it gave him. And he's
0: going to rep the city, but he's also living for himself now. Right. And this one, the hook is pretty solid still. Um, And uh, after that, you go into bonus tracks. The The recipe.
1: Yeah, the only one I really like is The Recipe, which is a playlist track. And it's it's just a bumper. It's really good. It's one of my favorite songs to listen to
0: while driving. Mighty weed and weather, mighty weed and weather, um, and then uh, after that was Black Boy Fly, which I didn't really quite understand completely. Yeah, I I could, I can't speak on that. I didn't listen to it. Okay, now or never or whatever, that other one after that.
1: No, I realized that the album was only twelve songs long, and those are on the deluxe. Yeah, once I realized that the album was only twelve songs long, I listened to those, and I've been a fan of the track "The Recipe"
0: for a. Really- okay, well let me get, let me drop this fact on you. We're gonna skip over those other uh, bonus tracks, but at the end there's a couple remixes of songs. Um, the remix of the recipe is really fucking good. If you have a chance to listen to it, okay, it's got Absol on it. Oh, I shit. love Absol. I didn't know that existed. And, you know, Absol is one of Kendrick's boys. Absol and Schoolboy Q and uh, Kendrick were like boys, you know? Oh, shit. You know, they're like a little, they hang out and stuff. Well, at least they did back in the day. Um, but yeah, the Absol verse on that is pretty awesome. Okay. Um, the check. The remix of um the not Kill My Vibe with Jay-Z is at the end. It's the last remix. And it clearly came out after the album was already out because Kendrick has like a verse talking about how he sold something copies and whatever else. Jay-Z verse doesn't go that hard, so...
1: None of his... I I, I still don't know how that man's famous. He's terrible at rapping. All the best production that he had done for him was by Kanye West. Who, we might end up reviewing one of his projects later in the season. We might. We'll see. It's controversial, you know? But yeah, overall thoughts. um, Now that we've talked about all of it, you go
0: first. Um... This album's a classic for me. Honestly, it really defined who Kendrick was going to become later with his uh, sub- subsequent albums, um, and it's like the start of like what he became. Like I still think Section Eighty is really good, but I think this is like like the one that like defined who he became. Mm. Um, and uh, all the tracks on this album are are listenable. They're all worth listening to, in my opinion. I don't skip real. I listen to real. Uh, Fair enough. I think that all of them are good, and I think that the album as a whole is like, should be like one of those, if you're like, yo, classic hip hop albums of all time, top 50 or top 20 or something, I think this one might hit that, hit on one of those lists. This one should make minimum top 10. I think it should hit on the list somewhere. I think it defined that era in the 2010s. Um, I'm going to go with... And nine out of ten.
1: Cool. Uh, for me overall, I appreciate this on several levels. Uh, the production, insane. Um, it does something that, I mean, you really don't get out of, I think the only other artist I could point to is Mac Miller, who goes to this level of uh, instrumentation in the production. So it's very sonically enjoyable. Um, nobody flows like Kendrick either. So technically proficient. Great with words. I know he writes all his own lyrics and you can tell that it's coming from the heart in that aspect. Um, I appreciate this for being the best modern take on the Romeo and Juliet narrative. You know, you have K-Dot and
0: Shireen. And one of the only storytelling like albums in the recent times. For sure. And this is already from, this is from 20, so it's over 10 years ago.
1: I'm just now putting this together live on air. But this is so Romeo and Juliet. Davis Mercutio. (laughs) Who's Tibble? Who's It's It's classic and timeless. And it's something that you can go back to again and again, whether it's just the singles or just your favorite tracks. And it's one of the few albums of the modern era that you do want to listen to back to front, front to back. Um, I agree with what you said. This was really Kendrick sort of coming online, as we say, in D&D. This is when the build finally came together and he got all his perks. Yeah, okay. (laughs) But yeah, all-time classic banger. What's your rating? I'm giving it... Just because real sucks, I'm giving it a 9-4 out of 10. Nice. Nice. Continuing the tradition of being more generous than you. Yes, of course. You are very generous.
0: <laughs> All right, of shots.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you do those first. I do do those first. I Have know. I do. I <laughs> got you. Uh,
0: <laughs> um. You hey, want to go to Twitch. Hey, TV? hey, check under there.
1: I'm not going to. Check under there. Do under it. Underwear.
0: Yeah, in your <laughs> <laughs> bombs me. Um, uh, but you do want to go to twitch.tv <Seth> slash Seth underscore nacho 411. 1-1. Streaming DVD on Tuesdays right now. Yeah, go in the chat. He'll talk to you. Yeah, I probably will. Um, guys, think back to your childhood or teenage years, I guess I should say. Think about what albums most influenced you. And if it's Taylor Swift... Yeesh. But uh, if it's, you know, if there's like some good rap or some good something, like, you know, think about that. Maybe go back and listen to those kind of songs and see how you feel about them nowadays. Heck yeah. You can probably view it from a more artistic standpoint at this point. Although you'll still have nostalgic goggles a little bit.
1: Uh, So for me, you're going to want to go to twitch.tv slash chill underscore the the underscore rich.
0: rich. Go into the chat. He will talk to you. I mean, big facts. We, uh, we. You streamed recently. I saw that. League of Legends. I, I had a stream.
1: I played League. I got viewers, actually. I only got two, but I got. I, for the first time More ever. For the first time ever, I had randos pop into the stream. So clearly, League should be my game. Um, I don't have a schedule, but hit that follow button. He might eventually. Uh,. My parting shot is going to be: don't underestimate the value of even minor physical activity, and or just going outdoors. I know it's a meme and it's cringe to say touch grass, but uh, you know, go on a little walk, prune your garden a little bit. Uh, it can be very good for your mental health. Both of the, my, two weeks in a row, my. Parting shots are focused on mental health. What's going on with
0: me? What's going on? <laughs> it's because
1: I'm mentally ill.
0: If you take this seriously, you're redacted. Redacted. No, he actually is mentally ill. Yeah, but thanks. For- <laughs> <laughs> ah, ah 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 ah! Thanks for hanging One, in. One, two mental illnesses. Three. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead.
1: Thanks for hanging in here with us. I know we ran a little bit long, but as always, make sure you drink enough water, get enough sleep. And most importantly, kiss me with your ass.